Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. It's a mini-sode. Hi, it's Frida. And it's Abby. This series is a bit different. It's all about science fiction. From aliens to outer space, monsters to dystopian futures, AI to time travel. Somewhere down the line, we've covered a movie about it. To get the conversation started, we watched James Cameron's docuseries, The History of Science Fiction. We are at episode two of the James Cameron Science Fiction series. And this week's topic is outer space. Every time you do that, I know that you haven't written it down and I know you're just winging it and you always forget what the thing is that you're saying. <laughs> We're on episode two of, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> um, What's on your jumper? This is Jonathan Bad. I knew it was JVN. I was looking and at it. And he says, like, own it, Gorge. This, this is my hangover. This is my, I mean, my hangover outfit. All right, cool. By the way. Okay. And I was I, drink, I was drinking from the mug that I printed off. I printed on the mug a photo of me and my friend Aaron after partying a one night in Berlin on the mug. <laughs> so I'm like in my hangover outfit, drinking from my hangover mug. <laughs> I just felt so complete. Amazing. Love it. <laughs> now let's talk about space, your favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was part of my space therapy. I'm sure a hangover in space therapy really goes well together. <laughs> By the way, I met somebody, yeah. this couple who said their daughter also had fears of space oh, okay. and the ocean. Any vast, mm. vast empty space is like absolutely terrifying to, the, to their daughter. I was I like, oh my it. God. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, being stranded in the vastness of something I think is more terrifying to me. But uh, if I felt like I could just kind of go and hang out and then come back and there was nothing that was going to hurt me, then psh, sure. <laughs> um, okay, so how how do you feel? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. I literally wrote down in my notes, how do you feel about outer space? As if I don't fucking know the answer. Frida, how do you feel about outer space? <laughs> you just talked it about fills it. me with <laughs> the dread of what could be out there and the vastness of our existence and our insignificant, our insignificance and also the, the terror of being thrown into the vastness of outer space in it with an accident. Yeah. Makes it impossible for me to watch space movies without fear. Not fantasy adventure space movies like they're, they're different. Yeah. But I'm talking more the real ones, the yeah. ones that are actually real stories or trying to be real stories. Gravity. <laughs> yeah. Gravity. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into our discussion topics, is there anything that you want to bring up uh, from the documentary episode, the James Cameron miniseries Science History of Science Fiction? <laughs> Come on, better title. Uh, is there anything that came up in that that you want to pick out to highlight? From the, the one now? Yeah. What from, do you mean? What? Like anything from the episode that I want to highlight? Yeah. We've done this like before. Like anything at all? We, we did th we've done huh? this before. <laughs> we did this when we did the last episode as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got loads of stuff. <laughs> okay, give me a few and then we can get into our discussion chat. And if there's anything left over, we've got we've still got final comments. So <laughs> go on. Yeah, well, one thing, well, okay, there's this one, the, the, there's a guy that was being interviewed and he was, his title was the Grandmaster of Science Fiction. 
uh, Robert Heinlein. Yeah. Robert Heinlein is... So Robert Heinlein, Heinlein is one of the most famous, prolific and respected science fiction authors of all time. They refer to him as the guru of hard and logical science fiction. Um, I was obsessed with it. I love that he's so in, in the 1950s, there's an interview with him talking about how he believed that we could absolutely go to the moon, him in the 1950s. And so one of Heinlein's books that I just recently read is uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, where he talks about having like a lunar base on the moon and what would happen kind of in terms of it becoming like that the moon being used as a prison colony, but then over time becoming like its own kind of uh, place. But, you know, they're not allowed to come to Earth and uh, because they're uh, mining the regolith and Earth wants the resources that they get from them. It's wild. It's a great science fiction story. He also wrote um, Starship Troopers, which we're going to do soon. Um, the movie version, the book, I think, is a bit probably darker than the movie. But uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. Robert Heinlein, massive, massive, massive sci-fi nerd of all time. I was inspired to draw him. Because <laughs> when, when he came up with the screen, I was like, that. I just drew him with his, with you know his beard that looks- and his earring. <laughs> Do you know what that looks like? That looks like a. <laughs> that literally looks like the outline of the uh, logo for um, James Clark Maxwell that King's College London uses for. Physics. Yeah, with an earring. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think my the wrong mic is picking up my audio, so just let me change okay. that. Uh, what What did you want to bring up that doesn't belong um, in the questions? Well, now I just wanted to. <laughs> I was just double checking my audio. <laughs> Um, so there, uh, what I loved, there was a bit that I thought was fantastic where they showed the early days of science fiction when they just like went to other planets and just got out of the ship with no issues on about oxygen. Like back in the day before they thought, Hey, people should wear like spacesuits and stuff. Cause like you probably wouldn't be able to breathe on another planet. Yeah. And they were just like, arrive there and just get out. It's <laughs> great. Uh, I, I wrote that the, the fact that there was going to space movies in the 1920s was something that blew me away. <laughs> I, and, and then yeah, the fact that they 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 just they just stepping out and being like wow, yeah. <laughs> that was a revelation. Oh, uh, I just I think it's amazing. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Just like looking at um the way the way science fiction has like progressed from like back in those days. I really do want to do a a a mini series where we do like movies from like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Yeah, like, me science- too. Oh my god, I'm so excited for it. Uh, so what what else have you got? I loved the discussion on Bologna versus Hadwavium. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, so unobtainium is Bologna, something that yeah. you make up. And, or or techniques for faster of light travel. Like it's impossible, but this is the thing and it does that. Yeah. Versus Hadwavium where they sort of offer up a Hadwavy explanation for something. And um <laughs> I really like that breakdown. It makes it sort of helps me categorize a lot of a lot of things. I love yeah, I do love see. how they use like they gave the name hand wavium because the amount of times I've been in a physics lecture where they've gone it's a bit hand wavy physics. <laughs> like, ah, hand wavium, yes, I see. <laughs> I love having a name for it. Yeah. Um what else you got? There there was a I thought that was great. So there was um uh Shana Gifford was talking. And she was just talking about, uh, I think she's an astronaut and she was talking about how, 
how true or how realistic it is in the fact that like just the smallest step in the wrong direction like as you said that fear of being thrust out into the vastness of space like that that smallest step in the wrong direction can send create an entire series of events tumbling that that can lead to like you know dire consequences and stuff and it just reminded me of when we talked about sunshine and that small mistake by trent on the um trajectory and how that just caused such a cascade of errors or that error like propagated through science speak error propagated through the system (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just i just thought it was good it just made me kind of think about that Yeah, that, that's how good is that movie? It's it, it, as you were talking, I was remembering all those scenes leading up to like all those sort of one devastation after the other, and the way it all kickstarts with him listening to the radio signal and then you hear the thing and all these little events. Yeah, that I remember how that movie ended for fuck's sake. Ugh. It was almost private. Just go back, timeless. Danny Boyle. Remake it with the exact same cast, everything the same. Just just change the end. Zombie Not Mark the very, Strong. very end. Just change Zombie Mark Strong. That's all we want to change. <laughs> uh, another another thing I, I, I lied that I absolutely loved. If you can imagine it, you can do it. But if you can't imagine it, you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, do you know what? That, that line is, as someone who is, genuinely such a big science fiction fan and and I like to talk about science fiction a lot in terms of like sci- what we can and cannot do in science um that line is really I don't know I don't want to be like super dorky and nerdy about it but I feel like it's really important to me because it is people people go on and on about how like um oh we can be like we'll be able to travel faster than the speed of light we'll be able to do this we'll be able to do that or you know you don't know what an alien civilization could look like it might be this and it might be that and it's like that's true we have no idea what's out there in the universe and what the possibilities are beyond what we can actually imagine ourselves what we can visualize what we can see and that's why like I don't know if they said it in the liner, if it's just something I wrote down myself where I just wrote in that science fiction is limitless. Like you can literally do anything with it. Yeah. It can be anything, but constrained within your own imagination. So yeah. I just find that fascinating that like we can be so excited and like we can do absolutely every anything out there you could possibly imagine, but that's the key point. You have to imagine it for it to be possible. Yeah. It's yeah. like you could just say the only limit is your imagination, but it's just it just isn't as good as this the way of saying it. Yeah, which is like if you can't imagine it, you can't do it. You can't do it if you can't imagine it. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else? No, I think everything else will fit in. Okay, cool. So we've got a couple of discussion topics we're going to go through now. And uh, before we do that, let's talk, let's just list off what space movies we have covered on the podcast so far. So Frida, Moon, Sunshine, The Martian. Are you seeing a theme here? (laughs) What? No. (laughs) Well, we went to the moon, to the sun, to Mars. Uh, So gravity is just up in space anyway so okay all right look uh the moon sunshine the martian gravity apollo 13 alien it's an alien movie but it's definitely like also an outer space movie uh silent running 
Interstellar is, of course, a massive outer space movie. Uh, Moonfall and Geostorm both have, like, a lot of space elements, but they're more fo- focused on, like, Earth-based disasters. Yeah, but stories. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah. But there are... So there are main ones. Apollo Very 13. Centered, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I said Apollo 13. Oh. Very Guardians of the Galaxy. Our solar system. Yeah. So I didn't put in miniseries stuff, but that's true. We did do Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Do we really want to get into that conversation again? <laughs> Um, like I mean if when we look at it in that way then there's also things like we have Galaxy Quest and because um, <clears throat> they did go out into space in Galaxy Quest okay, what else did we do in our mini series where they actually went out into space or Aliens mini series I can't remember but yeah but in terms of actual space in terms of like the vastness of space to be fair we haven't really done a huge amount that brings us like away from our own solar system. I don't know how many movies there are that bring us into space, away from civilization, really, um, other than Interstellar and Silent Running. Like a deep into deep space. Yeah. Or like being kind of stranded within the... Sh- I, su- I suppose Sunshine, they were also like, you know, they were in the ship in within space, kind of stranded in it. Like the Martian, he's on... The, he's on Mars in the moon uh, in moon he's on the moon um, <clears throat> Apollo 13 they're going to the everything's contact. quite close to home you know not really yeah contact's, contact's more that's more yeah. the aliens isn't it but yeah anyway I, I, I think it's fascinating um, how uh, what I find interesting about it is I do actually think there's not that many movies that are in out in space kind of isolated within it but they resonate with us so much because they like strike up some sort of fear some sort of like oh about it that we really remember those movies more so than other ones i think but how do you feel about the depiction of out of space in movies so far ones that we've covered um ones that they mentioned I think that, because because when you, I hear you talking about that, I'm like, but like, what other movies are there that go deeper than that? Like, Interstellar is like deep as all hell. We haven't done 2001, which I guess takes you out to Jupiter, mm. but we've gone pretty far out. In my mind, I'm like, no, we, what's left apart? Well, Star Trek, I guess, yeah, like things like Star Trek. We've done nothing like that. Yeah, where they're just like off. I feel like it's. We've done, I don't know why, but when when I think about things like Star Trek and Star Wars, I don't view them as like space movies. So maybe Star Wars left. more so. Yeah, maybe Star Trek. Yeah, I suppose they are. They are. I, that's going to be oh, a actually, weird thing lots. to say. People are going to be like, "What the fuck?" Um, I just, I guess I'm, I guess I, I'm thinking about outer space in terms of isolation. And Star Trek and Star Wars are so filled with other people and other civilizations and other ships and, you know, that like you're not really alone. And I think of outer space movies as being alone and that's the not not the right way to think about it. (laughs) Humans from Earth being sent into the vastness of space to look at some kind of moon of Jupiter or Saturn or some shit. Mm. Yeah. Those movies where where the idea of being stranded out there is sort of the main the main point yeah i think we've done a lot of uh, we've done a really good combination of like technical space movies like apollo 13 i see is like it's a highly technical sort of movie 
It's like a problem solving thing. Um, so we've done quite a few of those. Gravity definitely is the more awesome one. Like yeah. you're filled with awe. I even think the thing, even though it's not directly about outer space, it does fill one with the awe of what's out there. Uh, I, that is one of a big yeah. part of the terror. So it's it, it definitely the theme is so strong throughout the film that it's hard to ignore it in yeah. this conversation. I think so. In terms of being filled with that kind of awe, uh, Alien definitely. Yeah, I think we've done loads. We ha- no, we have, we have. I guess it's like more just. There's the few that stick in my brain and then how I envision what I think when I think about an outer space movie, which is kind of wrong because like particularly then when we talk about the actual mini so like the the series episode, because they talk a lot about Star Wars and Star Trek and I am about to talk a lot about Star Wars and Star Trek. So (laughs) I'm obviously aware of them within the realm of being outer space movies. But for some reason in my brain, I get really stuck on movies like Interstellar or yeah, well, like you said, 2001 and um, Solaris and things like that. And it's just like, oh, okay. I know why. Because Star Trek and Star Wars have this fantasy element to it where there's faster than life speed and travel. Yes. Like and it's not, it's not a, where it's not a problem traveling. It's like in the future to some degree where it's not a problem traveling through space. And you're thinking about the movies where it is a risk traveling into space. It's still about humans Yes. You know, going out into the vastness at huge risk with technology that is not crazy about removed from what we can imagine from today. Uh, whereas yeah, those are, it's already fantasy. It's already fantasy adventure stuff where it's like, oh, in this narrative, there is no issue with traveling in space. That's already yeah, that's true. far beyond. That's you, not hard science fiction. Yeah, no, you you've got it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. That fantasy element versus the the more kind of realistic, um, where the danger is always going to be there. So yeah, that's definitely how I feel about it. And when I think about outer space movies, I think about the the realistic ones and not the fantasy ones. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, like just Rick in the context Morty of this conversation, yeah. not in the context of my life. I just want to be clear. No, so, no, like um, Rick and Morty, they just zip around from place to yeah. place. It's obviously not part of the thing. Yeah. So what's uh, what are your thoughts? What 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 comments do you have on the depiction of outer space in movies? Oh, didn't we just talk about that? Oh, okay, cool. It- I've got one other thing to say about it then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so one of my favorite things, and it's something that I've really realized doing this podcast, is that it's science fiction art is what draws me to sci-fi. So like the whole imagery that they can make of like something otherworldly and something totally fantastical and just the general idea of world building in terms of science fiction is what really, really draws me to it. And uh, it's something that I love the most about it. So I just wanted to highlight like the some of the discussions they had, one of the main ones being that whole revolutionary shot of the ship in Star Wars, the opening shot and... I went through a major rabbit hole of nerdism with Industrial Light Magic recently because we've talked about them quite a few times because they've done most of our movies. What I didn't know was that Industrial Light Magic was actually set up by George Lucas for the sole purpose of making Star Wars. 
And the only reason we have industrial light magic is because after he finished Star Wars, he didn't want to lose all the people that worked on it. So while he was writing the second movie and working on that, he loaned them out to his friends who are the likes of James Cameron, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is like, what? Anyway, um, so that's what happened. Like while he was writing the second and third movies, he was like, hey, you guys can use these people who had made um, all of this technology to be able to film special effects and visual effects in an entirely different way purely for Star Wars because of what George Lucas wanted to be able to see on the screen. And that's when they first had to come up with, you know, technology where you like moving the camera rather than the object. There was a lot of stop motion. There's a lot of um, up close things that wouldn't have been done previously. And just to follow on on that, to say on my whole nerd thing, um, Industrial Light Magic, that company then continued on throughout all the, like he kept it set up for many years and they are the ones who created Photoshop, Pixar. Um, oh, hey. Animation in general. Like they were the first ones to do computer animation. Uh, he, Because George Lucas hated the editing process, he wanted a way to digitize editing. So the fact that we actually have digital editing is because of George Lucas. He wanted more visual effects, uh, less animation. So he sold Pixar. Um, so that those guys could continue to do animation and create animation movies. And he set up his own, another animation visual effects um, uh, group within his studio to focus on what he wanted. And uh, as a result of all that as well, there was a lot of advancements in sound and a lot of advancements in camera technology to the point where the types of cameras that are used now, when he finally made Star Wars, the, the prequel one, that first movie was shot in such a way that to have the proper experience of it, it had to be shown on a certain type of projector. So he bought three, he bought a projector for three different movie theaters in the U S so that they could show star Wars in the way that he had wanted it to. And those projectors and that filming style is now the way that everything is done. And every movie projector in every cinema is because of that. So whatever we feel about George Lucas, whatever we feel about whether you think Star Wars is a good or a bad movie, George Lucas is a technological, like visual effects, movie making, fucking genius, revolutionary creator. He gave us industrial light magic and it's through him that we have all of this amazing stuff that we have. And I just wanted to have a massive nerd out about that for a second. I'll stop now. Wow. And do you know what's funny? I also want to add Ben Burt, the sound design guy from Star Wars 2, who we talked yeah. about with Wally, Pixar's Wally. Oh, yeah. It, it's very funny because outer space film kind of mirrors the role of space research with modern day technology. The same way that having to make your imagination come to life in film about outer space pushes film technology, so too does outer space travel push actual real life scientific technology because you're having to push the boundaries of what like what we know and what yeah. we can do and so many discoveries have been have been found that we use all the time because of space travel so it's very funny yeah. to me that 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 it mirrors one another i did have something that about the film depiction of of space i wanted to bring up yeah actually 
uh, that I really liked that they said. Wow, this was a beautiful thing too. By stepping out into the universe, we've become better people. Oh. That line? Yeah. Like putting humanity into a different perspective by stepping outside of the earth? Yeah. Is that in this question? That might be the next question. Well, actually, yeah, maybe. So let's 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 link that yeah, through okay, to fine. the next so question then. Yeah. No, because that makes sense. So um, these movies, the next kind of discussion topic versus these movies and their social message. And it's true. And we've talked about it in terms of like aliens quite a bit. But yeah, what, what social message do we get from from actually just being in space? And I think what you're saying is completely connected to that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit harder. It's a bit hard for me to separate like the aliens from the outer space in terms of the social message because it all it's about bringing yeah. in a, new, a new perspective. It is. So there's this great documentary. Um, God, what was it called? Planet, not, um, oh, Jesus, this uh, One Big Rock or something like that. One Great Rock. Uh, it was narrated by Will Smith, uh, but it was interspersed the whole way through all the episodes, I think, uh, Who? like by Will Smith. Stop. Who? <laughs> It was that so it was interspersed throughout the episodes. I think it was eight episodes with eight astronauts. And the same message that every astronaut had at the very end was the the perspective that you get on Earth when you're on Earth versus when you're up in the ISS looking at Earth. And their point was to say that it stops becoming like when you're on Earth, you're where you are is your home, you know? Like Australia is your home. Um I Ireland is my home. I live in the UK, but it's Ireland is my home. I am Irish. I identify as Irish. And they were like, as soon as you are up in space and you're looking down at this planet, they were like, it just becomes, this is our home. This whole place is our home. We are not individually separate. Like this is, it's fragile and it's unique and it's, it's all of us. And getting that perspective, I think, and that's I think that that's what space does. It unites us into one group rather than um, individuals in our in yeah. our little land masses fighting. Yeah. Well, as aliens has this idea of judging humans' behavior, maybe, right? Yeah. And then, but humans going into outer space and looking back, while it's a, it is also giving perspective. The perspective is is one of wow, this is our beautiful home. And also, I think a lot of astronauts, when a lot of astronauts head out into outer space, that is the common experience. They look down, they say, isn't this, it's a miracle, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And we got to do everything we can to protect it. And all our fighting seems to be petty and insignificant with pale in comparison to the beauty and the clean, like the fact that we're clearly unified on this planet, where it's the vastness of space. Compared to that, we really are one very small group mm. of organisms on this little rock. Yeah. And if you have that perspective, it seems so petty that we fight over things like resources. Exactly. And when you look at things then, like um, like you said, it is quite hard to separate the alien discussion and interaction from like space. But 
something that they did bring up in the minisode episode is the social message of Star Trek. And I think that's what resonates with a lot of people is this idea of diversity and unity. Like the whole point of what, what Gene Roddenberry created with Star Trek was creating this united federation. This idea that if we're going to go out into space, if we're going to go and explore and say life isn't rare and say like space is teeming with other types of um, beings, what type of an exploration do we want to have? What type of people do we want to be? Do we want to go out into space as domineering or carrying all of our shit from home with us? Or do we want to sort all our shit out, become unified and then go right? Now we are peaceful explorers. And it's a very beautiful vision for our future. Okay, get this. Aliens show us who we are. Outer space gives us the opportunity to say, who do we want to be? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Woo. Perfect. Woo. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then in that case, let's move into the next uh, bit, which is what is your favorite episode or your favorite movie, space movie that we've done? Um, kind of sunshine to be perfectly honest I obviously oh. love mood I mean sunshine mm. I have problems with but in in the context of this episode mood is not really an out of space movie as such it's yeah. an office movie <laughs> it's like a day at the office movie <laughs> yeah. whereas the elements about sunshine which are really staggering are all expressions of the awe and wonder of our beautiful sun oh our beautiful earth and how much we want to protect it plus the sheer terror of those elements of the element of sunlight oh the fact that sunlight is there to help us but it can kill you or that the cold in outer space or that can be hot and that it can be cold the vastness of it i mean the terror of that and i feel like that movie for for me showed me that in such a beautiful cinematic way that and I, is it Michelle Yao in that? Yes, she is. I don't actually remember that right now. Oh <laughs> my God, I forgot. Um, yeah, well, how about you? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but you're so right. Like Sunshine has all the elements of outer space that, and of course it's so visually beautiful, like the the imagery, this, like, I mean, there's so many shots from that movie that you just will never exit my brain. And sound as well. It's just there's so much in it. And uh, I mean, of course, because it's just got such a fucking amazing cast. Um, I did say The Martian as well, though, because I think The Martian is like just such a. But I guess that's more about like surviving in space, like surviving, not necessarily in space, but surviving on, you know, somewhere that's not home. So I don't know. Do we call it about surviving? surviving earth if you think about yeah. it because they spoke about martian about martian is a modern day like we'll have to science the shit out of our current situation and yeah. so the martian is actually more about surviving on earth just as right. much as it is surviving on mars yeah i suppose and i do love like i can't help it but of course like interstellar i i loved that episode because i just loved how much of a deep dive of science there is in interstellar i think for for the spookiness and for, for having a certain feeling after it, sunshine, uh, for the level of science that we got to talk about Interstellar. <laughs> yeah. 
the thing about where Interstell, uh, in the context of this episode, lets lets itself down is at the end when he falls out of the tesseract. He should never have been seen again by anybody ever, and yeah. yet he just turns up floating, and he's picked up because he's right there. Like all that shit is like. It's not that easy because they really like they take so long to get there that it's so perilous. And then, and then at the end, they're like, Ugh. yeah, he should have been just <laughs> squished out of existence at the end. A hundred percent. OK, so uh, my my final question for you, and this is this. I already know the answer to this question, <laughs> but Freda. If you had the chance to go into outer space, would you? Hell no. <laughs> Hell. I don't even want to go go-karting. <laughs> I know, it's such a weird thing. I'm like, part of my brain is like, yeah, but then I'm also like, if someone was like, hey, do you want to go for a skydive or a bungee jump? I'm like, no, are you fucking insane? <laughs> so I'm like, how would I well, survive a rocket launch? <laughs> If they frame the sky bungee jumping, fucking forget about it. But you, if you frame the skydiving as you get to put yourself in a new perspective, maybe that would motivate you enough. So if you uh, have the chance, I think, I think to the go problem with skydiving is the, the the free fall, like it's the dive part that I have the like issue. Two and a half seconds. <laughs> I think it's like two and a half seconds. I don't, no. No. <laughs> no, I, I have no interest. <laughs> um, oh, me too. But I don't, yeah, roller coasters in I, I don't know. I feel like part of me is like, would I say no? Do you know, like if, if I was working on something, right? So say I'm working on something and they come along and NASA's like, hey, do you want to be a payload specialist? And like, we've got this thing. You've designed this component. We need you to go up and like install it in the ISS for six weeks. Like, would I say no to that? Would I actually say no to that? No. Yeah. Would you say no? No way. I would say no. Yeah. I mean, that, that'd be assuming I was a, I'm a completely different person than I am that made that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, gravity. It was, a, it was an imaging um, module that she was putting in. You might design something. Yeah, but something. we went through the nitty gritty of why that would happen anyway. So okay. I feel good about that. Okay. <laughs> You're, you so your answer is based on the fact that you know you will never be asked the question. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Highly uh, theoretical. Okay. <laughs> I feel like if I was, I feel like if I was offered the opportunity to be on a ship that went to, like, was going to go and fly by Jupiter and Saturn or something like that, I would be like, fuck yes. Yeah. Fuck yes, I want to do that. If I never come back, I'm way, sorry. We- I love you. Bye. <laughs> With the SpaceX, hmm. right? It just all felt too easy for me. I was like, uh, this feels too easy. It shouldn't be that easy to go to space. It should come with some peril. You can't just chuck on a cowboy hat and get the strap yourself in a belt. I mean, was it SpaceX re- or Amazon? I don't really know. Who cares? When you really think about it, like traveling through space should be easy. It should be easier than flying a plane on Earth. Which is even easier than driving a car, so I've heard. (laughs) So there we go. That's the real danger. The real heroes are people that drive cars. (laughs) See, that's the the real danger. Yes, this is true. I I believe in that. (laughs) 
if I was given the option, do you want to get in a rocket and go into space or do you want to get like in a in a rally car and go for a driver in a track? I'm like, yeah, space. Space, please. I feel like I have a better chance. Yeah, I also just don't like being uncomfortable in any way ever. Do you know? Okay. Well, so there's that. That, that. that I would struggle the same way I, I struggle with bugs. I would struggle with outer space for the same reason. It's like I never want to be uncomfortable. Sorry, oh, I really, really enjoy struggle. the fact that there's an Australian who struggles with bugs. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm a city girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff is bullshit. Oh, all the not really. We had a cricket stuck in our house, by the way, right? Oh my god! And I, I had it one night. There was a cricket just chirping, and I was just terrified. And the oh. next night, Raph was back with me, and I was like, "Oh, Raph, can you help me with this cricket?" So I slept <laughs> one night with the cricket in my house, and the next day, I was like, "I got Raph." I was like, "Raph, can you help?" Um, and he helped. With, he helped capture my cricket. Oh my the god! Cricket. It's just a cricket. <laughs> Even I'd be okay with a cricket. Uh. I, I would have vacuumed it up, the vacuum cleaner, okay. if I had it been there. Oh anyway. Right. Okay. So shall we move into final co- – what are your final comments? I have a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hang on. Have I said all the comments? I might have I'm, the Grand Master thing might have been my, yeah <laughs> might have been my final comment. Just give me one second. I only have one thing, and it's just that um, I loved that I loved that they described Star Wars as a space opera. Just that was a comment I just read over that. Yeah. I was like, is that is that space opera versus? I was like, what is the distinction? Because because I was talking to my friend Pam, you who you know about yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, and she was like, Guardians of the Galaxy is what we actually would call a space opera. Love Pam. So all that drama and excess, I mean, you think about applying to the word opera, I mean, yeah. So yeah. I don't really understand the distinction necessarily. Like, why is Star Trek not space opera? But Star Wars is a space opera. Yeah. Because it shows you all this all this crazy shit. There was someone, I think a name it's that more, I, I think it's the style of how it's filmed and the... the the path of the story and the intention of the story that it is very if you take away this the space elements and you if you just put that on stage it is that like dramatic operatic thing you know the the children who are um you've got you've got the two who turn out to be brother and sister you've got the the father who wants to you know bring the son to the dark side who wants him to rule with him, but the sun is defiant, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's swords, you know, lightsabers, but it's swords. It's, you know, it's, um, it's operatic, it. very much in the style of what the story is. Whereas things like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Trek are more kind of like filled with a lot Action of stuff adventure. that's going on. Exactly. Um, Star Wars is not about being in space. It's not about exploring. It's not about learning new things, seeing new things. Star Wars is very, very much a very specific story that is being told, that just happens to be being told in space. And if you took space away from it, you can picture it in some castle with swords back in some day and some German or Italian guy is for sure writing an opera about it. (laughs) Or like Hamlet. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking about so, how I do have my final comment, which was just Caddy Col- Katie Coleman talking yeah. about gravity. I just yeah. thought that was a highlight of the episode, just hearing from her because like straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Because I said before about gravity that like, oh, you know, I know that would happen, right? But she's like, although there's like a lot of little detail there, you know, which might not be accurate, it feels like that in space. Yes. That is how it feels. And that's powerful having someone like that. I just thought she yeah. was so cool. Yeah. She is really cool. We need to talk about more female astronauts. Um, I don't really know how to do that. We'll find a way. I'll find I don't a way. know how to do that. I'll find a movie. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, cool. That's it. Boom. Great. Out of space. We're done, which means episode three is Frida's favorite. Monsters. Yes. <laughs> And, and that'll be if you like art, the art side. This yeah. is also your episode. I know, no, it is a couple of them definitely, but I don't like the gross side. So you know, <laughs> this is the this horror. is where my problem comes in. Like I like the art side of sci-fi in terms of like technology and world building and stuff, and then and then you go into like the thing and the fly, and I'm like ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, cool. We'll see you All right. Thank you for monsters. joining us. We'll see you next week for our main episode and in two weeks' time, episode three of our mini series, Monsters. Bye bye. Bye. It ain't local.